All right, another episode of Sunday Golds, a Florida State baseball podcast. Aria Masudi, Brett Nevitt, and the Seminoles wrapped up non-conference uh, weekend series uh, before they play Wake Forest this next weekend. And the Noles won two or three against uh, a decent Cal Bears team who a lot of people thought would be about middle of the road, uh, middle of the pack uh, in the Pac-12. Um, and it's a team that missed the NCAA tournament a year ago by maybe just one game. Uh, I think there were a lot of people that expected Cal to get into the tournament after uh, a late season push. But uh, Brett, uh, before we talk about more specifics of the weekend, uh, overall thoughts on taking on uh, a team from the Pac-12? Yeah, I thought it was, um, you definitely saw some different things from Cal than you do from a lot of East Coast teams. And I thought it was just good to kind of get a new face and some new, you know, some different looks in here in, in, at Dick Hauser. Um, I thought Cal had a really good lineup and really tested um, FSU overall and played good defense and everything. Uh, I think it was a good competition and a good way to ramp up for ACC play for sure. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't ex- expect them to play a West Coast team every year, but once in a while I think that's a, that's a fun thing to do. Florida State wins four to three, seven to four, and then falls five to three in ten innings on Sunday. Uh, Brett, um, for the sake of having a more you know time efficient podcast, and um, we've got a lot on this episode we want to get to. Um, we'll try and break down about four games, and uh, also look ahead to the Wake Forest series. Try and kind of pack two episodes into one. Um, we're not going to go through each game individually. So um, I guess things that impressed you uh, on Friday from Florida State's win, 4-3, to three, I think, you know, I'll start off. Parker Messick, I thought, battled uh, and kept his team in it. Uh, and then the big hit by Alex Terrell. Um, and I thought it was a, a game the Knowles really needed to win. Uh, the way that it went, the way that you'd played in close games so far, uh, up until that game, I thought this team really needed to find a way to gut it out, and uh, they did just that. Yeah, like you said, I thought it was a, a really good win, one that was needed at the time, and I thought it was a good way for it to happen, like you said. Um, yeah, I was impressed with Parker as well and just the way he battled and thought he did a really good job of adjusting uh, to Cal the second time through the order, second and third time through the order. I felt like he started to really polish off some of his uh, you know, off-speed pitches and uh, you know, got Cal off the fastball a good bit because they were kind of just hunting the fastball early, but was able to make those adjustments and, and pitch deep into the game, which was huge for the whole weekend, not just for that game. Uh, but him getting into the eighth inning, you know, the bullpen only has to throw 1.2 innings and 24 pitches in this game. I just thought that was so big and set the tone for the weekend. And, you know, I thought all the starters carried the freight this weekend. But, you know, I thought it was just impressive to see this team come up with some timely hits and good at bats um late in the game you know Lacey you know finally you know finally gets a ball to find a hole in the fifth inning to bring in a run um then Alex like you mentioned you know swung 3-0 and just missed the pitch um very next pitch he goes yard on the same exact pitch it's just a really good job by a veteran of showing up in a timely spot and I think Alex needed that and I think the whole team needed that overall um yeah and Tibbs getting that hit in the in the ninth it's just it's really big for a freshman to come up in that spot, especially picking up Lacey after, you know, he didn't, he didn't get the run in to walk it off. But um, overall, I was just really impressed with the team being resilient in this spot. Um, and I think that that all starts with Parker being resilient early in the game. 
Yeah, Parker struck out the final five batters, I think, that he faced or, or that he recorded an out with. And if that's not a sign of someone who just knows how to pitch and is comfortable at this level, um, I don't know what is. I mean, he he is everything that you want on a Friday night. Um, when he does have his best stuff, when he doesn't have his best stuff, when teams make adjustments, because they will. I mean, there are some really good batters and, and there are some really good lineups that you're going to face all year and they will make adjustments. Um, but then he, he readjusted, and I, th- I was really impressed with him, and, and it felt like a very uh, professional uh, performance by him. Uh, to go seven and a third, too, t- to go that deep in a, a game, and just one walk to nine strikeouts, you're going to take that every time. And uh, he went up against another kid, Josh White, who was the preseason Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year and um, someone who was on Team USA and a lot of people think will be a decently high draft pick uh, coming up this summer. And um, I thought both guys on the afternoon really impressed. Yeah, but I thought I know FSU struck out eleven times in five innings against White, but I really thought their at bats were were really good against White. Um, in my opinion, I mean they made him throw ninety two pitches in five innings. Uh, it felt like a lot of those strikeouts. You could have been one or two calls that go your way, and those turns into walks. Uh, you know they got him out of the game after five and. You know, he just he, I felt like he had to work hard every single at-bat, and the at-bats were competitive. You weren't getting the results you wanted, but um, overall I just thought the approach and the swings were there. Um, and then I thought the defense was really good on Friday night as well. I mean, Jordan in the ninth inning makes that play, um, kind of a crazy pick on a hard-hit ball. Uh, you know, I can think of a couple other plays off the top of my head, but you know, overall I thought the defense really helped out Parker on Friday. You know, also – that play by Jordan, I mean, that just shows every every bit of his talent that he has. Um, you know, I just thought overall, like you said, you can't find a better way to win that game one. And, um, you know, you just battle through it and you find a way. And they got to start doing that, you know, to, to pick up wins at ACC play. Um, so to see them do that on a Friday night, the weekend before, I thought was really good. Yeah, and you and I had talked about how the team had just lost so many close games up until that point. And it felt like you lose that game and it could be demoralizing um, going into the rest of the weekend. And um, just the, the uplift, the, the uplifting that it gave. I don't even know if that's proper English, but um, I, I thought it gave a boost and an injection of life into that dugout, that dugout in that clubhouse. Yeah, I really think we could look back on that moment, you know, between Terrell's swing um, Jordan's play in the, in the ninth, Tyler pinch hitting, um, and Tibbs' swing. It, that felt like a huge moment in this team's kind of the story kind of, it felt like, um, you know, almost a fitting end to a first chapter or something like that. Um, you know, that team needed that moment, I think, and it was huge for them. Um, and just to go back to Tyler, I mean, that was literally his first live plate appearance since June. Uh, like he literally has not stepped in the box with the pitcher on the mound since June. And obviously he didn't have to swing the bat, but for him to be able to step up there and say, you know what, I can think I can toughen out for one at bat. I can give you a good at bat. And he did. Uh, I think that just kind of shows you everything that you could ever know about Tyler Martin. I mean, that kid's, you can't find a kid that's tougher and a kid that's more of a, a gamer in the country than him. I don't think. Um, and, you know, I mean, Tyler's not fully back. He really wasn't available the last three games after that. You know, he's still working his way back. But, you know, if he comes back, this is going to be a bonus. And, you know, you're going to get a kid that no matter what is going to put a good at-bat together. And um, he's going to tough things out. Uh, you know, I just I can't give enough props to Tyler and everything he's done since he's been here. I have a question for you. Do you think that at any point in that at-bat, Tyler actually had – 
a green light to swing the stick? Uh, I mean, he was probably wanted to see a strike first. Um, I think he would have been good enough to swing. You know, the thing that they're more worried about right now is the, is the throwing, I think, that they're being really cautious on. And, you know, who knows what a swing would have looked like when you haven't seen live pitching in that long. But, you know, Tyler's just that kid where, you know, I've always felt like Tyler's a kid that doesn't even need reps. He's just that smart. He's just that much of a coach on the field that if you throw him into a situation, he's probably going to do good things for you. Just was curious. I didn't know if his dad said, hey, man, just uh, go ahead and uh, just go ahead and stare at every pitch. We're going to see if this it kid felt, can throw a strike. And, I, mean, I don't know. It felt like almost like a, like a movie sitting there. And when they started, when the announcer said number 16, I was like, what? I was like, that's Tyler Martin's number, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that was just, I, I couldn't believe it was what was happening. It, it felt like, I mean, that was the first time for me that I felt like this is what Dick Hauser is supposed to be like. This is Friday night. Uh, it felt real. I mean, it felt like it, it won them the game almost. It did. I mean, Hauser's been really good um, this season. And uh, I thought the whole weekend, the the fans, and then obviously the animals of Section B and um, everybody really in the grandstands and in the bleachers, I thought provided a, a big lift uh, to the Seminole. Uh, dugout so all right so uh saturday seven to four and then sunday they drop five to three in ten innings um bryce hubbard once again i thought came out and was elite yeah bryce is yeah bryce is pretty good um you know just another guy that he comes out and he's efficient he's throwing strikes he's getting swings and misses i mean him and parker they both just they both just do everything well um, they're able to get out of jams very easily. They they keep their composure in those moments, and while doing all that, they they're still able to give their their bullpen. I mean, basically almost complete games. I mean, through two two games in the weekend, your your starters had thrown fifteen of eighteen innings. You can't really ask for much more than that. Um, you can't ask for two better guys to be leading your team on the rotation. I mean. I mean, and heck, Ross might have been the best one all weekend. I mean, it's just how good that staff can be. And heck, Carson was was really good too on Tuesday. Like, you've got the best starting staff in the rotation. You, you just got to start to figure out the pieces in the bullpen. But starting staff wise, it, I I just honestly don't think you can find a better one. Yeah, between those two, I mean, Ross was incredible. I mean, it's what you've been talking about, you know, in your articles and. And the you know we we were doing a couple episodes in the fall, and uh, you were saying this is the Ross done that Florida State can have, and um, I think a lot of people were interested, right? And how did Ross Dunn win the Sunday spot? Because that's what everybody said. He just won it. It wasn't that Carson was bad; it was that just Ross was that good. And I thought that was the first outing where I truly saw Ross Dunn the starting pitcher, not just Ross Dunn the talent if that makes sense it wasn't just this kid with great stuff he can come out there and overwhelm you because he's just his stuff's better than the hitters you have at the plate I I actually saw him pitch with a game plan uh, a complete commitment to a game plan Um, and I thought you know mentally uh, and composure wise I thought he was excellent and he went six full innings and 11 strikeouts and, and he battled out of a lot of little tight spots as well yeah I mean fifth inning when when you know they get bases loaded I think it was um, and meat goes out there. It looks like he might pull him and they decide to leave him in. I, I, I thought that was the best move meats made so far all year. Um, I know it was a zero zero game and, 
you know, some people you might want, you know, a fresh pitcher in there. But, I mean, I just thought that that was such a huge moment for Ross. And, one, you have to find out what he can do and what he can be and find out if he can handle that moment. And he most certainly did. And, you know, he was even better in the next inning, in the sixth inning. I think he went one, two, three. I just think that fifth inning is going to be such a huge moment for him and such a huge moment, you know, for this team overall because they need Ross to be – they need Ross to be that guy like he was to win series when it comes to, you know, rubber matches and ACC play. Um, You know, obviously you don't end up winning that game, but you couldn't have asked for much more than Ross. And, you know, I know we got a little bit off Saturday's game, but just the starting pitching all weekend, you can't ask for any better. Yeah, and I think, you know, just again, like just for the sake of time efficiency, let's sandwich those two together um, to talk about it. Um, Monster home runs on Saturday from both uh, Brock Mathis and from Logan Lacey. Um, Logan had another home run uh, tonight. This is a Tuesday night we're recording, um, and and Logan hit one against uh, FGCU earlier today. But um, that's the power I think we expected to see from Brock Mathis. They gave him a a chance to have a full start and and to be in there. And uh, I've always thought, too, Logan Lacey has underrated pop. I, I think it's he's much stronger and has more lift uh, than people, I think, give him credit for. Yeah, I think, you know, Meats always mentioned that Logan's a bit of a freak in the weight room and puts up way better numbers than anyone anyone would ever think. And, I mean, he showed it last year that he has pop. He had 10 homers last year. He's already leading the team with four this year. Um, yeah, and the one he hit was, yeah, that was, man. When, when Logan Lacey gets one, it's really fun to watch because he does like to watch it a little bit and, you know, just strut a little bit down to first base. But, you know, yeah, we knew Brock had pop as well. Um, you know, it was good to see him get a spot start there on Saturday. I think we'll talk more about the catcher situation later on in the pod. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, that's a veteran kid getting his chance and making making it worth his time and, and doing good with it. He also had that double down the left field line that was ripped, and that was right before Logan's homer. Um, overall, I just thought it was a really good day at the plate. I mean, you, 10 hits. Uh, five walks. Uh, I mean, I think everyone in the lineup except for two guys had hits. Um, like we talked about, Bryce was really good. Um, yeah, I thought overall it was just a clean game. You had zero, zero errors again on Saturday. So, uh, you know, squeaky clean through two games of the series. So best offensive day for Florida State Saturday. Um, Sunday, again, the Knowles. This game, Cal kind of controlled, I thought. Um I don't know. Controls maybe not the right word. It was a pitcher's duel for really about six innings. Both Ross Dunn and, and Joseph King of Cal um, were going back and forth, and so you didn't have a lot of runs. Uh, the game was moving by pretty quick too for for about six innings there, and then Cal jumped up three uh, nothing on Florida State's bullpen, um, and then the Knolls with some help from Cal, I thought in the bottom of the eighth inning they put together some good at bats. Cal had some miscues in the field. Um, and you started to feel like, okay, may- maybe Florida State sneaks away with a sweep here this weekend. But uh, Cal wins it in 10 innings. Um, before you break down some of the different aspects of, of what stood out, um, should we be concerned with this team's record in extra innings? Or is it one of those things you feel like baseball is a long season um, and they, and it's like that and that eventually Florida State will, will be on the right side of some of these games. I mean, you feel like it's got to even out at some point. Like, you feel that way. Um, you know, all these games, though, it's felt like when we've gotten to extra, there's just been, like, 
this kind of dif- disbelief. I don't know. It just feels like the games are kind of over when they go to extras. Like, there's really no hitting going on in extras, and teams are scoring quite early, um, either in the 10th or the 11th. Um, you know, I, I think this team will figure it out and, you know, win an extra innings game or two. And who knows how many even – I mean, three extra inning games in, in 11 in your first 11 games alone is pretty crazy. To lose all three of those is even crazier. Um, I mean, I don't I don't have a concern over this team being able to win extra inning games. It's more of a concern over are you going to have guys in the bullpen that, that can shut down games and not let them get there in the extra innings. Yeah, let's elaborate on the bullpen a little bit. I know talking to just a couple of different people um, around the program, media members, even just myself, I think a lot of us thought this bullpen would be better to this point in the season than it has been. Um, And it hasn't been awful, in my opinion. I think there have been some really good performances, um, especially, you know, Nazu's had some bright spots. Uh, I thought Scalaro's had some really good moments out of the pen. Um, He's been a bit inconsistent. Um, when it's good, it's really good. And when he doesn't have it, he's kind of getting sprayed around the yard a little bit. Um, I've been impressed, though, with some of the guys. I just don't think I've been impressed consistently, if that makes sense, Brett, because um, they've got guys with talent and they've got guys with ability. Uh, it just seems like at times they lose the strike zone. And, and that's not characteristic of a Jimmy Bellinger pitching staff because I know that's something that drives him nuts or the walks. Um, is that something you can see getting cleaned up? Because I think that's what's kind of holding some of them back from taking major steps forward. Yeah, I, yeah, the bullpen is kind of a confusing situation for me, and I kind of go back and forth on my concerns level, concern levels over it. Um, I feel like my concern level from like one to five would be like a three, where it's not like I'm not at the point. I mean, we're still only 12 games in, and you don't have to have a shutdown guy by now, but you have to start finding some guys – that are consistent and that are going to make teams actually beat you. Um, the walks are what kills me too. It's like, cause there's guys in the staff that don't have hittable stuff and they're not giving up hits, but they're giving up runs because they can't throw to the strike zone. Um, I certainly think there's team, there's guys in this bullpen that have the ability to be strong bullpen arms. And that's why my concern level is not the highest yet. I mean, white Crowell still has really, really good stuff. He's just really struggling to find the strike zone right now. And, you know, I think he's just got to see it happen one game. He's got to see it click for one game, and he'll be right. Um, you know, Jonas Scalaro, I mean, he's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. He's always been good at Florida State. I don't think he's going to have a 7 you know, ERA at the end of the year like he's got right now. Um, you know, Ballmeister has the fastball that you want in the bullpen, just needs to develop the off-speed pitches. You know, Davis is just getting going. You know, you, you wouldn't expected him to have only one appearance so far this year, but – you know Davis is going to give you what, what he's going to give you. Um, he's going to give you good innings. You're just going to start to find out about some of these other arms. Um, I mean, the zoo's hurt right now, so it's tough with him. You know, Armstrong's been good so far this year, I think. Um, Joe Charles, we don't really know the situation there yet. I mean, you just got to start to figure out. I think the more you figure out the, the bullpen roles and the more define, you define them, you know, the better guys will be. You're not guessing about where they're going to be every day. I think that's just – they've just got to finalize some things, and guys just got to see things happen. I mean, that's all it is really in my opinion. we got to remember a lot of these guys are still pretty young too outside of Jonah and Davis. Yeah, 
Uh, it was good to see, I think, uh, Baumeister get a look tonight against FGCU. I'd been wondering if they were going to use him uh, again. Not a, not again all season, but um, I feel like that's still a kid they have a lot of belief in, obviously. Um, very highly touted. Um, I, go I, ahead, Brad. I think we were talking about it the other day where this kind of, you know, it kind of has the feel of it of one of those teams where late in the season, all of a sudden, a bunch of young arms start clicking. Like, the guys are there, and, like, the ERAs may not be great at the end of the year, but at the end of the year, teams are going to show up and say, oh, crap, this guy throws 95-96 from the left or stuff like that. Like, there's still arms there. Um, that's why I'm not hitting the panic button, really, but you, you, you've got to find a guy that you can go to consistently to win you one-on-one ball games when it, when it comes down to th- Like, if you don't have one of those guys, it's going to be very hard to win games late in the year. But like I said... It's 12 games right now, so I'm not hitting any panic buttons. I think we talked about it on the last pod where sometimes you're going to sacrifice some bad performances that end up being net gains because of the experience that a young pitcher um, went through, right? And that's you had to throw him into the fire, and he had to fail before he could succeed. And I think that could be what you're alluding to late in the season when um, – you know, obviously, you don't want to lose a bunch of games, but you might sacrifice some poor moments um, for later in the year, that kid being trusted to be in a big spot, whether that's on the road in a regional or at home in a super regional or in Omaha, where it's like that kid had to pitch a bunch. And no, his first few outings were not good, but I think he learned a lot from it and how to calm his nerves um, to be able to go out there and execute the pitches that are called. So um, a lot of young arms uh, and one veteran arm, you know, you mentioned it. Good to see Davis hair back out there. I know that he was battling some things with the arm and um, that's a veteran who's been in a lot of big spots. So I think you need him to anchor Uh, him and Jonah are going to be counted on all year to kind of be the veteran experience in the back end of the bullpen. So I'm glad he's back in there. Um, is there anything you want to touch on about Cal? I, I was just want to say James Tibbs is fantastic. Jaime Ferrer is fantastic. Uh, those freshmen continue to impress. Um, and then uh, the other little note that I had made um, was that Jordan Carrion defensively is an animal. I mean, it's there's better than what there's an upgrade from what you had from last year. Jordan Carrion, I think defensively might be one of the best defensive shortstops Florida State's ever had. Like I'm, I'm going to go on record and say that now. Like I think he's right up there with like the Taylor Walls of the world, the Stephen Drews. Um, there are some really good shortstops that have come through Florida State, and I'm not saying Carrion's the total package offensively, defensively. That's not what I'm saying at all. That kid can pick it, and I think I mentioned to you tonight, uh, watching him against FGCU, it just looks natural. Like it's. There's no fear when the ball comes his way. Like you mentioned it a while ago too, he loves he loves the game and would like to be out there every single day if he could. Um, and I think you get that sense when Carrion's out there. Yeah, I mean, I knew Jordan was going to be good defensively when you know he committed to Florida State. You know, and I had kind of had some conversations with people where that were like, it, it's different. Um, the very first day I went out and saw Jordan take ground balls, it was it was different. It was. Not different than what FSU had before. It was different than what I've seen before. Like, it's but You didn't say it's it was real. disgusting. It's, he is gross out there. Yeah, no, but, like, he's got everything about it. He's got the big arm. He's got the he's got the athleticism. Um, you know, the side-to-side quickness is, is really good. You know, he, he has, you know, a little bit of fl- – he's got flair to him. Um, you know, the thing I like about Jordan the most is just the attitude he kind of plays the game with. 
you watch him, he just brings so much energy to the infield. Everything he does, every play he makes, he you know, he thinks he can make. Every there's not a ground ball that's hit in the vicinity of the infield that Jordan Carrion doesn't think he can make that play. Um, you know, I think it was second weekend of the season. I was having a conversation with Jordan down the field, and he was just like, "I want every single baseball hit to me." And uh, during the FGCU game tonight, at one point I think I tweeted, "I want every single baseball hit to Jordan Carrion because I'm pretty dang sure that 99% of the time." He's going to make the play. Um, yeah, it's just he's a joy to watch play baseball. He's a joy to watch defensively. And I think I've liked his at-bats to the plate, too. I mean, he just puts together good ABs, doesn't strike out a ton, puts the ball in play, does what he needs to do. Um, yeah, he's going to help Florida State win a lot of baseball games. What a difference a year makes with the ball getting hit to a certain position. That is Amazing. Um, and I know I kind of scatterbrained my thoughts there, uh, but uh, Ferrer and Tibbs continue to be, I think, all, you know, freshman All-American type players. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I think we knew they were going to hit coming in. I don't know if we thought they'd hit this good um, as freshmen. I mean, I think Tibbs has been on base in every single game. Jaime has a hit in every game, but one. Um, Jaime is ripping every single ball that his bat touches and he's putting together good A.B.'s. Um, Tibbs is hitting some absolute moonshots that are completely different than what you've seen before. I mean, uh, 452 feet today um, against FGCU. Um, yeah, those guys, they're going to hit for a long time. And I, I like trading rank too. And there's a couple other kids that you really haven't seen of much late from that class. But overall, it's just that class gets better and better every day, I feel like. Ferrer is hitting 364 after 12 games. Tibbs is hitting 342. I, that's I don't know that that's going to stay at those you know those robust numbers all season long. I mean they might. I mean those both of those kids are good enough. Um but they're primed to both have 300, you know, 300 plus seasons um, I, in their freshman year. I was seeing people say after you know the Sunday loss that this team is, you know, still the same last year as they were defensively and offensively. Um if you really think that, I don't think you've been watching games like yeah, the strikeouts are there are still there, but they're they're not there like they were last year. Um ABs are so much more competitive. You know, in the field, you know, it's not an amazing fielding percentage, only 971, but I mean, there's plays made this year that were never played never made last year. There's there's runs being taken away by the defense which didn't ha- ha- off happen often last year. Um I mean, you're hitting 292 as a team. I I don't even know what we were hitting as a team at this point last year, but can tell you for sure it wasn't that. I mean, you still have you still have four guys in the lineup that are hitting three hundred plus. Two other guys hitting two eighty plus. Um, yeah, I just I don't have any concerns with the lineup or defensively. My only concern really right now is just that bullpen and finding that shutdown arm. But outside of that, this feels like a pretty complete team to me. Defensively, you're above nine seventy. I mean that that'll work. That that'll get you to some places. Um, on the mound, your starting rotation is phenomenal. Um, your lineup is much better. Only six strikeouts, by the way, tonight against FGCU in a 10-4 win. Um, yeah, I think I'm trying to make sure that I didn't miss anything on the weekend. Um, freshman stood out. I thought Lacey hit, you know, hit the ball hard again this weekend. Um, yeah, I think we can move on real quick. And in, in the midweek, it was nice to see them beat a very good FGCU team. That's an FGCU team that was 10-2. and two coming into the weekend, so uh, coming into this game, excuse me, to this midweek game, and uh, Florida State pounded them, man. Like, 
it was close for about five innings, and then the sixth inning it opened up, and you saw some power for some kids that um, have been there for you all year. And uh, the story of today was Carson Montgomery, and and what a big performance he gave you uh, in addition to what you've already gotten out of the out of the weekend rotation. Yeah. So okay, I'm just gonna hop back real quick to my point about last year versus this year to this point. Um, through 12 games last year, FC was six and six, I think 229 as a team. With 16 errors, you're hitting 292 right now with 13 errors, um, and you're eight and four. And last year, you obviously had that, you know, that sweep to pit early in the year. But I mean, 229 with 149 Ks versus 292 with 124 Ks, uh, completely different lineup. You had only one hitter hitting three over over 300. Um, so yeah, just wanted to make that point real quickly, but. Um, yeah, Carson was really good tonight. I thought that was the best he's ever been at Florida State. I thought that was a huge, huge step in the right direction for him. That second inning alone, I felt like, was maybe the biggest moment in his, of his career so far at Florida State. You know, obviously, it's not against a Florida. Like, he pitched well against Florida twice last year. But, you know, last year when he would get two runners on and, and you know, no outs, you know, it, it usually would go sideways on him. And he said tonight – after the game, you know, he said that he's easily could have gone sideways on me, and it probably would have last year. Um, but getting through that was just, I mean, three straight Ks all in the sliders that were all disgusting and unhittable. Um, yeah, that's the Carson Montgomery that you want to see. Uh, that was, I mean, you couldn't have asked for any better from him tonight. I mean, 5.2, the first time he's gotten through five innings, he said about talked about, about how much of a relief that was for him. Um, I just think this is going to be huge for him going forward. I, I really like the way Carson's thrown so far this year and the progressions he's shown so far. And I'll be honest, I, I was working softball tonight until about the, the sixth inning uh, of this baseball game when I was able to head over to Hauser. So um, you saw Carson pitch. He was gone by the time I had gotten there. And uh, I saw the home runs, um, but I'll take your word for it. I think Carson has a chance, obviously, like he fits in the role, right? Like Ross and and Carson are going to be, if we're projecting into the future, those are two weekend arms. I mean, Ross already is a weekend arm, but those are two kids that are maybe going to anchor uh, your rotation next season, Friday, Saturday. Um, and projecting a little bit just this season, Florida State in a regional, uh, say you need a fourth start, Carson's going to be that arm, right? Like that's the kid that's going to come in there in, in a big moment and um, – I think the depth of what Florida State can throw at you in terms of uh, a starting pitcher uh, is better than anyone in, in college baseball. Like, I don't think there's anyone with four pit, four starting pitchers that are better than Florida State. There probably isn't a better weekend rotation in the country. Um, but this is just showing you the, the competition that you were kind of highlighting and documenting throughout the fall, some of the tough decisions that had to be made by this staff on who would be where. Um, I think you're starting to see uh, when these guys run out there. Yeah, and I still think they need to, you know, toy with Carson in the bullpen a little bit, especially if they continue to struggle to find someone that's truly a shutdown arm. Um, I feel like Carson's shown you enough now with the command that you can trust him in the bullpen. And, I mean, you don't really, you, you've struggled so far to find someone to trust with their command of the bullpen. So the thing is just – you know, I think we've talked about it a couple times. If you run Carson out there for an inning or two and just let him gas out, you know, what is that going to look like? I mean, good luck. I, I, 
you know, I don't think it's going to happen soon because he is, you know, he is progressing well as a starter and he's been throwing well in these midweeks. I just think if the bullpen continues to be an issue that you have an answer there if, if, you, if you're willing to take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish on what this team's going to do going forward. Like, I, I really I really think this is a, a very, very, very good Florida State baseball team. And I know there's a lot of people out there that are disappointed with these close losses. And uh, you're pointing to Mercer, who, by the way, beat Georgia Tech tonight, uh, similar fashion, uh, walk-off uh, in was it at Ortho? What's the name of the park? Orthopedic Ortho Park. Ortho Georgia Park. No. <laughs> Orthopedic. But I mean, I mean, FSU through twelve <laughs> games has played two of the top three teams in the two of the top three teams in the SoCon, two of the top three teams in the A Sun, probably one of the top two teams in Colonial, James Madison, who's currently tied seven to seven with Tennessee in the eighth inning. And Delauder's not available. And yeah, Delauder's not playing. They won a series without Delauder this past weekend. Um, I mean, Cal, like you said, like we've talked about, that's another solid. I just there's there's I don't think there's a team as ready as Florida State is in the ACC to go into that competition. Well, it's the number three ranked schedule per the RPI right now. It's a it's the third ranked strength of schedule. So make that make with that what you will. Uh, if you want to be disappointed, I'm not telling you not to be upset when they lose. Lord knows, Brett and I are texting each other just pissed off every time a game you know ends in an FSU loss. But you got to have perspective too on what it means, how you lost, what it looked like, who you played. Um, if a loss signifies that you have big problems going forward, then you should be upset. If it's just one of those games where you just didn't get the job done situationally, folks, people get better in situations as the year goes along. Like baseball is one of those sports that you just have to play. It's like muscle memory. Like you have to play it over and over um, for you to kind of build good habits. So I'm not really worried about some of the situational losses that they've had. Um, you highlighted the bullpen might be an area of concern, and, and that's fair. Uh, but they could figure that out too. So through 12 games, I'm pretty impressed with where FSU is. Yeah, and I mean, I think it shows how good of a job they did building the schedule too. I mean, you, you have the number two th- strength of schedule without having to travel to one of those, you know, big opening season tournaments and those things that all these schools do. And I mean, you had three weekend series at home. You had a cu- You obviously went away for a couple of road games, but and you have, you have the number two strength of schedule in the country, and you played all these weekend games at home, um, and you've stepped up the competition every week. And I think you're going to get another step up this weekend, but it's going to work out for them. I think, I just think they've done such a good job of, of building up the competition and building up their players. And um, yeah, like you said, I just, I don't, I've never thought yet this year they've been playing bad baseball. It's just been bad situational baseball, but overall, I really like this team, how they play baseball, how they play off of each other and just how complete they are overall. Um, if you can find that, that, that one guy in the bullpen. Yeah. So you're eight and four right now. Uh, all four of your losses have been either by one run or in extra innings. So you've literally had a chance to win each of those four ball games. So um, I like where we're at. And, you know, you're going to get a test this weekend at Wake. We're, we're going to preview that here uh, in just a second. But, um, Brett, any final thoughts on the weekend and, and this game against FGCU before we move on? No, I just think, that, like you said, you know, it's a good stepping stone into the ACC play. I uh, thought FGCU in today was huge, and I really liked the way they did it. Um, you know, I thought it was really good to see the bats kind of put a team away. I thought it was good to see them, you know, after FGCU stranded three guys in the six, 
to see them come back with a six run, six inning. I thought that was huge just to see them kind of take advantage of another team's mistakes and put a game away and just, you know, let one go by easily and, you know, move on to the weekend with ease. I did think of one last thing uh, I want to talk about before we move forward, and that's uh, I wanted your thoughts on the catching situation. Um, Colton Vincent and Brock Mathis have been splitting time. It seems like it's been more Colton Vincent than Brock, obviously. Um, and Colton was was the guy that they wanted to to get the lion's share of opportunities. But uh, Brock is, I think, impressed at the plate. Uh, do you see him getting more opportunities going forward? I know Colton defensively uh, the better of the two, especially catching the staff and um, with some of his defensive actions. But um, we'll have to see, right? Like if Brock continues to hit, uh, I think it's going to be hard not to give him at bats. Yeah, um, I've kind of struggled with this debate in my own head, but I just I still think Colton Vincent is this team's starting catcher. Um, you know, you don't have to hit at the catcher spot. Obviously, you don't want to be hitting less than your weight. Um, but, I mean, if, if Colton can get up to hitting 200, I think 200 to 220, 230, that range, um, you're going to be a really good ball club. Um, you know, I've struggled with it. It's just Colton's much more comfortable with a lot of these pitchers. I think you saw it tonight when, when Colton got hurt and Brock came in. He struggled a bit with Wyatt and Carson to catch them. Um, cause there's just some arms in the staff that throw mid nineties and have a lot of movement and Brock's only been here just over two months catching these guys. You know, Colton's been here for two years now catching those guys. He's just much more comfortable with them. Um, you know, I think, you know, whether this team goes either way, this team's going to be comfortable with who's catching because both Brock and Colton are very liked by the roster. Um, but I just think you've got to play the better defensive guy. And I'm not saying Brock is is awful behind the plate. It's just, you know, that comfort level right now, it's just so much better with Colton. Um, and, you know, I just think if you're going to be playing to a pitching staff, that's really good and to a defense, you know, that that's pretty decent so far that you got to stick with them. I'm not saying don't give Brock any starts, but, you know, I think, you know, you're going to see Colton catching Col- You're going to see Colton catching Ross. You're going to see Colton catching Parker. Um, you know, I think we'll see Brock starting on those Saturdays pretty consistently with, pretty consistently with Bryce. Um, but uh, for me, you know, I know people probably won't like it, but, you know, Colton's still that the starting guy. The analogy I go to is in football, the two quarterbacks, right? You've got the one guy who can check down and he hits all the underneath stuff and maybe doesn't have the biggest of arms to push the ball downfield. Uh, and then you got the other guy that has a cannon, right? And he can let it rip and maybe he's a little more inaccurate though. Um, and doesn't check down and, and doesn't get your team into the right checks nearly as much uh, as the other quarterback. So it's like, who do you choose? The guy with uh, more upside uh, at once uh, on one end, or do you go with the guy that's more consistent and, and maybe just not as flashy? Um, and, and so I will say this, though, Brett. Uh, Colton Vincent, 37 at-bats, five hits. Uh, Brock Mathis, 10 at-bats, four hits. Uh, so I'm not saying you're wrong, and I'm not even saying that I wouldn't have Colton in there. Um, but I just, I think it's worth a discussion and at least I think it's worth this weekend at Wake Forest kind of seeing, um, Brock, uh, get a couple more at bats than he has been. I just, I just want to see it. Um, uh, maybe Brock goes out there and defensively you're like, that's disastrous or it costs you. Uh, and then you kind of have your answer, but, 
I just he's been so impressive at the plate um, when he's gotten his shots and uh, I don't know we'll see I, I just think it's it, to me I think you're early enough in the season to where you're gonna have to try some things out to see what works best well yeah I mean you have to but I mean you know I think people have given Colton a really hard time behind the plate because he hasn't been good at the plate I just don't think he's been as bad as some people say behind the plate I think he's been really solid for them um, you know, I think three of the five pass balls he has so far this year are on cross-ups. There were two in the, in the Cal game on Sunday where, where it was just a cross-up between pitcher and catcher. Um, and it sounds like those were on catchers. I mean, not on the catchers. It was on the pitchers. Uh, I mean, he's thrown out three or seven guys trying to steal. Um, and, you know, it's a small sample size for Brock. I mean, if you look at the larger sample size, he's more so of like a 220 hitter that's going to hit some for, hit for pop and strike out a good bit. Um, you know, neither of these guys are stars like Matt Nelson. You're not asking for those guys to be. You just want some consistency. I think if you're getting consistency behind the plate that you roll with that. Um, but like you said, I, I do want Brock to get chances. I'm not saying Colton should start every single day. Um, but, I mean, if, if Parker Messick is comfortable with, with Colton Vincent back there, then I think you roll with it. If Ross Dunn's comfortable with, with Colton back there, you roll with it. That's just... I just I don't know how to fully explain it to people, but from what I've seen in preseason, um, you know, Colton Vincent was the guy that earned it. Um, you know, he might have it taken away by Brock if, if Brock starts to catch better and get more comfortable with these guys. Um, but as of now, it's just I, I, I don't expect them to go away from Colton. And Colton did have a hit today before he, you know, got taken out with the the injury, but uh, maybe he's going to start seeing it better, you know, and that could definitely be something that, um, plays true is that Colton just starts seeing the ball better and gets you some clutch base hits. Hey, Colton's also not been like obviously the numbers are not good at the plate, but he's striking out one of the lowest rates on the team so far. I mean, he's had some really bad luck on balls in play. Um, you need him to hit at least two hundred. Yeah, I definitely agree there. But I I, I just think it, it's it's still gonna it still needs some time. I just. It's hard to explain it outside of that. So, Brett, let's move on to Wake Forest. First ACC series for the Seminoles this weekend. It'll be on the road in Winston-Salem. It's expected to be pretty cold up there. I think temps are going to fall into the low 30s at some point, and uh, it could be an interesting weekend. We've had some mild weather. Uh, I was in Greensboro, uh, North Carolina, for the ACC women's basketball tournament uh, last week, and uh, believe it or not, man, they had highs in the 70s for most of the week, which uh, this time of year up in the Carolinas is, is just beautiful. Uh, but it was surprising. And so uh, there is a cold front moving through, and uh, the Carolinas will be pretty chilly. And uh, so Winston-Salem's not going to be the most pleasant of places to have to play uh, this weekend. And there's some rain in the forecast, which could make for some interesting scheduling. Uh, but, Brett, uh, thinking about the the Demon Deacons, it's a program, Tom Walter, uh, they're known as Rake Forest uh, by a lot of people because they really hit. And I think this year's team, again, has hit at a high, at a high level. I think they're hitting like above 360 as a team I'll buy against a, a really joke of a schedule. And, and I don't mean that as any disrespect to Wake or their fans or um, or anything, but the truth is Wake has played a Charmin tissue paper. I mean, it's it's terrible. And it's quite honestly, I don't think it prepares your team um, for anything really. So this is their first real test of the season. Uh, they lost their first game, by the way, today to Coastal Carolina. 
who I don't know if Coastal Carolina is a juggernaut by any means this season, but it's an uptick in what they've had to play, and not surprisingly, they lost their first game of the year. So um, when you look at Wake's stats, they're robust. This, the hitting is ridiculous. The, the pitching staff's numbers are really good right now, but again, it's really hard to know how good Wake is because they have played uh, just a really, really poor schedule so far. Yeah, like you said, it's tough, I mean, to look at the stats and really go off of them. I mean, they're hitting 362 as a team. They've got four starters hitting over 400. Um, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's just not going to stick for the whole year. Um, you know, their best team they've played RPI-wise is UMass Lowell. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what they look like when they get against FSU's pitching. Um, I mean, this team does have talent, though. I mean, Brock Wilkin last year against Florida State showed off what he can do. Um, had Bryce's number a bit. I think he had three home runs in the weekend while he was here. Um, he was the best player in the Cape Cod League, I believe. Um, he won the best player award. Uh, really big summer there, and he's off to a good start this year. Um, comes from the same area of, of Parker Messick. Uh, he comes from Bloomingdale High School, a kid that just rakes all the time whenever you face him. And has really strong power, just a young kid that will be drafted pretty high coming up soon. Um, they also have some really good arms. Uh, Eric Adler, their closer, is a really good arm, who is a shutdown type of arm that Florida State's looking for. Was another really good arm, good, really another good, jeez, another really good player in the Cape. Uh, you know, Josh Hartle is probably one of the best, if not the best, freshman arm that made it to campus this season. Uh, you know, lefty, I think he's their Saturday starter, only has a one year A through 17.2 innings pitched. Rhett Louder has been very good on, on Fridays as well and gave FSU some fits last year. So, um, you know, Wake Forest is always a team that usually has guys that throw really hard, um, and you know they're always going to rake and they're going to hit well. So, um, you know, definitely a tough test, but I just I don't know exactly what to expect out of Wake Forest, like you said. Well, historically, Florida State, I mean, at least this decade, the last 10 years, they've really struggled against Wake Forest. And uh, the Deacons have won something like four or five series this decade against FSU, something like three of the last five series. Um, this is the first time, though, Florida State's played in Winston-Salem, I think, since like 20, I want to say since 2017. There was the weird, um, it was the COVID year that shut down a season, and then FSU played two home series back-to-back against the Deacons, and Wake actually won one of those last season. They beat Florida State two out of three in Tallahassee, so... Um, it's it's a program that's had our number, right? And it's they've been in a lot of close games. Even when Florida State's won the series, they feel like one or two run ball games that come down to to late in the contest. And um, we've had some shootouts as well. So the Deacons are going to be tough. It's not going to be a pleasant place to play. Uh, you haven't beaten Wake Forest at Wake Forest in a series uh, twice. You haven't beaten them twice uh, at Wake since 2014. So it hasn't been kind. That's not to say FSU's not going to go in there this weekend and, and win two. Um, I don't think a sweep's going to happen uh, at Wake Forest. I would be shocked, actually. I'd be pretty surprised if Florida State did it. Um, but I do like FSU to win this series. Like I, I think the Knowles arms will be uh, a big upgrade over what Wake has seen so far. Um, they're a program in the past that strikes out a lot just because of the way that uh, Walter wants to hit. It's a very aggressive approach. Um, and I expect them to, to strike out quite a bit against Florida State this weekend. But, yeah, I don't know. There's a mystique about Wake Forest, and there's there's something about them that, that gives FSU problems, and um, I'll be interested to see how the Knolls respond this weekend. Yeah, and, I mean, you 
I think a key to winning a series at Wake Forest is keeping the ball down in the zone. I mean, it's 300 feet down each line, I think. I mean, that place is – you get it in the air and you pull it either way. I mean, it, there's a good chance it's gone. Um, a lot like Georgia felt in the regional a couple of years. But like you said, the weather will be cold and a little bit rainy, so it'll kind of offset that a little bit. But there's probably going to be a ball or two, you think, that uh, that felt like a routine fly out but, and ended up going out because this place is so small. Um, all turf field. I believe that'll be the first time FSU plays on an all turf field this year. Um, uh, yeah, because I don't think JU or Mercer and either of those were. So a um, little bit of an adjustment to that ball probably come off a little bit quicker in some areas. Um, I mean, we'll see. I like. I just don't know what to make of this Wake Forest team. After last year, they had a really bad year in the ACC, and you know they had some high expectations for people last year, but people might have been a year early. Um, but yeah, I mean interested to see how they respond to, to much better competition. Um, like you said, they lost Coastal Carolina 4-3. Uh, that was the first real close game they've been in this year, too, and they lost that. Uh, so so we'll see. I mean, I think it will be close games. I think you definitely have the advantage pitching matchup-wise. Um, but you got to make – you got to play clean defense at Wake, I think. You got to make them earn their runs. You give Wake, Wake Forest any extra runs, and I think they'll do some damage with it. I agree. Uh, so the Louder kid you mentioned, uh, 93-94 with his fastball, has some decent off-speed stuff, too, from the right side. And uh, Florida State actually saw him in the Sunday game last year in tally and, and hit him pretty well. Got nine hits and five runs off of him in, I believe, four or five innings. So Yeah, I think Louder is like a fastball changeup guy for the most part, not a ton of breaking balls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Saturday go Hartle is the opposite. I think you'll see a lot of breaking balls from him. He's a lefty, correct? Yeah, yeah. He really pitches in that Sean Gilmartin, uh, Drew Parrish type of role where it's like the fastball is good enough, but it's the off-speed stuff that's going to give you real problems. And um, apparently he has real feel for, for the off-speed. The, and they, they call it tunneling where it's really hard for you to pick up, you know, that it, what's coming out of his hands. And he throws a breaking ball, a changeup, and a fastball that will play uh, much faster than 89-90. And, and there's a reason. A lot of people thought he might sneak into that first round if he was signable. Um, but he decided to go to Wake. But that's going to get Florida. That'll be an interesting look, I think, for FSU uh, for the first time this year. Yeah, and I think the thing about Hartle and, and Louder, are they not going to give you many free bases? Both those guys are, you know, pitchability guys that think that, you know, are always going to be around the strike zone. Um, you know, they have a lot of those guys at Wake, I think. But, you know, they don't really have an in-between type. It feels like they either have heart, arms that are throwing really hard and walking some people and then, you know, arms, some pitchability arms. So, um, you know, I think McGraw, the, the Sunday guy, will be more so of the power arm that you can get some free bases off of, but it's going to be struggle to, uh, you know, get to the fastball sometimes, can run it up into the high 90s, probably sit in that mid-90s range. Um, Adler, like I mentioned, will be a guy that can get into the mid to high 90s, and, and same with um, Camden Nasty as well, who's going to be a guy that probably see at least twice out of the bullpen in some close games. Yeah, it's a Wake Forest team that's got some familiar names, as, as Brett mentioned. You know, Tinsman's been around for a minute. Brock Wilkin, uh, as, as Brett mentioned. I think that could be a future first-round pick type of talent. Has um, Turconi not been there like eight years? He has. Uh, he's hitting three eighty-six for him this year. And uh, per usual, uh, Wake and they've got hits a guy home hitting, runs, 27 of them. They've got a guy hitting 500 still. Like, It's awesome. Who it's, are we playing? 
I mean, it's a team that's. I think their bats are pretty good, and I think they they've beaten up, and their numbers have been inflated due to playing some of the arms that they have. I mean, folks, like we we joked about northern teams, and how a lot of those arms are not ready to pitch at this point in the season, just because of the the limited ability, the, the limited opportunities they had to pitch in the fall. And I'm talking like their schedule was a bunch of northern teams, like Georgetown. Uh, Central Michigan, uh, UMass Lowell, New Jersey Tech. I didn't even know New Lafayette. Jersey. New Jersey Tech. I didn't even know that was an actual school. Um, UMass Lowell is their best RPI win. It's just, it's hard to know what you're about to go up against. And they're going to play better in their park, no doubt. If this was in Tallahassee, I think I would just feel very comfortable saying Florida State wins too maybe even sweeps. Um, but there's just a lot about this weekend where it feels like anything could happen. Like, it just feels like there's a lot of unknown going into this weekend. You don't know well, you exactly. What you can't do is go up there and commit two or three errors a game and just kind of no, give away no. chances um, when you're clearly the better team. You don't know exactly how your team's going to play in that weather when they haven't been in it really in a long time. And they haven't. And the other thing is you don't know how Wake's going to play either because they haven't seen this competition yet this year. So... Something's going to give. Yeah. And the park's weird. It's small. The way that it's positioned, the the wind blows out. So anything that's in the air, as Brett mentioned, usually has extra carry to it. Um, and, and Wake really knows how to hit in that ballpark. The way FSU's taught to hit over the screen in right center um, and the way that Coach, you know, that, that Meet really teaches that, um, Wake knows how to play its ballpark. So... I expect FSU to hit some home runs this weekend. I would expect a, a couple balls to leave the park. I think Wake's going to run into a couple as well. Um, you're going to see Parker and Bryce probably give up one or two. It might happen. I mean, Ross might as well, and some of those guys in the bullpen might might give up some home runs that um, maybe in a different park on a different day uh, aren't going out. So I'm interested, Brett. I mean, do you have a prediction? Do you want to make a prediction on this one? I don't know. Um, I said just... two of three. I said Florida State's better. Um, but it does have an eerie feel to it. Sure, I'll go with I'll go with two two of three too. Yeah. So the game times are six o'clock, one o'clock, one o'clock. Uh, the final two games, folks, are on Bally Sports on your regional sports network. So that is on television if you can find it. The Friday night game is uh, streamed digitally on ACC Network Extra. So uh, all three games available to watch. And uh, there could be some weather that moves in that forces a doubleheader one of the days or, or causes some chaos. Um, but just stay tuned, and, and we'll try and bring you that that information if we can. Uh, any final thoughts on Wake? I think I think we rounded it up pretty good. No, just they've been pretty, playing really well defensively as well. Only seven errors so far and a 984 fielding percentage. But they're not going to run the bases really at all. I wouldn't expect that at all. Cool. So you're going to a place where things haven't gone well for you? Uh, a lot in the past. Uh, maybe this team changes the course of that. And um, certainly I think this is the best rotation Florida State's had taken up there. Um, so we'll see. It'll be important for Parker and Bryce and Ross to give you good outings uh, against a Wake team that I think I think they'll be pretty jacked up to play Florida State. They'll be excited. And uh, would you agree this is the first weekend that you really can start to make some, some judgments on where this FSU team's going? I think ACC play allows for, for more of a, a truer taste and a truer take on, on what this team can and, and can't be. I just think you see how guys play up to that competition more. I mean, I feel like this team has played really good competition so far, but more so like the competitiveness of that and the urgency once you get to ACC play, it, it's got to be there, I feel like. For sure. All right, 6 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 
one o'clock, Florida State at Wake Forest, first ACC series of the year. Uh, national and ACC picture. Uh, Brett, some things that stood out to me uh, this weekend. Florida beat Miami twice in Coral Gables, and, and Miami won that Friday night game. So uh, it feels like Florida has found their mojo against uh, the Canes again. It was just a one-year thing where the Canes were, were able to figure it out. But um, credit to Florida. And then rankings at this time of year, they're really hard to know. I mean, Oklahoma State, top 10 team, got swept by Gonzaga, who I think might be really good, uh, one of the better mid-majors in the season. Um, Shriners Classic, LSU lost to uh, Baylor and Texas. And what did you say? They had 26 errors this season already? Yeah, LSU's already got like 26 errors in like 11 games, I think. Yeah. What did you think of NC State losing four in a row this week? And then getting swept at home by Northeastern. People it's, were uh, it's crazy. What happens when you play yeah. real baseball teams? People were really on that uh, Wolfpack train, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, my thing with NC State is their pitching is the same as last year, which wasn't very good and had no depth. And their lineup's worse than it was last year. Not because it's a bad lineup, but because they had an insane lineup last year. And you know, Tommy White was going to come back down to earth at some point. I really think he's really good, but. You know, I just don't think NC State is what a lot of people thought they were maybe coming into this year. But, I mean, we'll see what how they respond to that. But, man, yeah, 0-4 week, is it's tough. That's tough. You hate to see that. Yeah. I know I know you. You're so sad for your boy there, your, your, your favorite head coach in the country. Oh, yeah, Elliot Avent. What a, what a class act. Um, all right. Mercer beat Georgia Tech tonight. Did you see that? Walk-off win for the Bears. So people who are all up in arms about the loss to Mercer, uh, Georgia Tech still uh, in the same boat as Florida State, and maybe, just maybe, Mercer might actually be good, Brett Nevitt. Yeah, and, and also Georgia Tech's a team I really like, too. I, I think they're probably right there with Florida State at the top of the ACC this year. But, yeah, man, Mercer's especially going to Mercer. Georgia Tech also went there and played – at that park, like we mentioned, um, it's probably another pretty good atmosphere for them. I mean, back-to-back midweek games at your own place where you beat a you know an ACC team on a walk-off. Yeah, it's got to be pretty fun. And, hey, at least this one was streamed for fans. <laughs> yeah. uh, Georgia Southern beat UGA tonight. That's a future opponent for Florida State. Great, um, great fun. I'm glad we're not playing a bunch of cupcakes all Also, year. Jacksonville – they lost to Florida, but it was one to nothing in Gainesville. I mean, hello. Yeah, uh, I would like to thank Jacksonville for saving their Saturday starter for both us and Florida. Um, Is that what they did? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, uh, Texas State—they seem pretty legit, don't they? Beat uh, Arizona twice uh, this weekend on the road and. I think they lost to Texas tonight, the number one team in the country, 9-8. to eight. Yeah, and, you know, UCLA ended up being – one thing they ended up winning that tournament with Texas and LSU, too. I, mean, I think USC, UCLA was the only team in that going in. Well, I guess them and Baylor were both unranked going in. But, you know, UCLA is a team on the West Coast that's really young that I think is pretty good. Uh, you know, that was the first weekend that Texas, you know, really got challenged by some teams. And, you know, they dropped one, still won two. But thought that was a really interesting tournament. Um, but yeah, it was a really weird week overall in college baseball. I thought, I mean, I think a lot of teams, Mississippi state lost to Tulane. Um, I don't think Mississippi state's very good and they just lost Landon Sims maybe for the year. Is that possible? We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. I just think that, you know, winning your first three 
series before you get to conference play. It's hard to complain, especially when we look around and look at these other teams. You just got to feel like you're in a good spot and, you know, feel like you're playing good baseball. Yeah, Stanford lost to Cal State Northridge and Texas San Antonio. So that's a top 10 team. They lost twice this week to teams that I'm sure their fan base thought they were better than, and, and they probably are. It's it's baseball. You're going to lose games. Uh, TCU, a future Florida State opponent, they're kind of uh, on a bit of a slide. They've lost three out of four in the Bluegrass State um, played a series at Kentucky and uh, lost two out of three. But that, those were highly competitive, um, most of those games. And um, they stayed to go play Louisville and lost today, I think, by one run to Louisville too. So um, I don't know. TCU, it'll be a, a much different TCU team, I think, that you see when Florida State plays them in May. It's really hard to gauge where they are now. But uh, a lot of people are high on, on the Horn Frogs. Uh, Liberty, pretty good. Seems yeah, like they're Kate legit. Hun- Kate Hungate closing out the Tar Heels tonight. Yeah, big win for them over UNC. I think Liberty's moved into the top 15 of the D1 baseball poll, and they have impressed. They're 11-1, and one, and they, of course, everybody knows that they beat Florida twice this season in Gainesville to start the year. So shout out. I think Georgia Tech won two out of three over Georgia. Clemson swept South Carolina for the first time in like 25 or something years like that. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, might be pretty good, as I mentioned. Ole Miss battled uh, UCF. They won two out of three, but the first two games were were really good down there in Orlando. Yeah, 1-0, I think, was one of them. I think it was like a 12-inning game, 1-0. I think full 12 innings took under three hours. It must be pretty nice. I think, wow, I could only dream of that. But um, It's a future yeah. Florida State opponent, yeah. UCF. Yeah, twice. I think we get them two games in midweeks. Um, going back to Gonzaga, like you mentioned, I mean, their Saturday arm th- – Throws 100 miles per hour from a sidearm slot. So, oh, my gosh. I don't even want to think about what last year's FSU's team would have done against that kid. But, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it would not have been fun. But, yeah, I think Gonzaga is a good team as well. I think they were almost a regional host last year or were, if I remember correctly. I think they were just off the cusp. But, I mean, there's just a lot of – I think it was, you know, I just think there's a lot of teams that are really good this year, to be honest. I mean, there's still a lot of teams that are benefiting from COVID years and eligibility and stuff like that. There's a lot of teams with a lot of old kids, and baseball just keeps getting – the kids just get more and more talented. I mean, there's teams are just going to beat up on each other all year, I think. Yeah, especially early. I think as everyone's trying to find an identity, that's why we preach patience. I don't think either of us – are encouraging you not to be disappointed, right? Like if if you lose a game to a program that is a mid-major, yeah, it's a bummer. Um, But it is baseball. It's early in the year. Uh, Florida State's mid-major schedule has been better and will, I think, be one of the best in the country when it's all said and done, if you look at the midweeks of of who FSU is playing. Um, Even Arkansas lost to Southeast Louisiana on Friday night, so they dropped a game to a team that they're better than. On a Friday night, like when you're supposed to be your best. It's baseball. It happens. So, finally, conference play starts. I think uh, we'll find out some things about this team this weekend. Um, I think the Knolls, if they can get two out of three, you feel pretty good about where they are going um, into next week. And remind me if I'm wrong. I think uh, on the other side of the weekend, you got a matchup uh, in Gainesville against the Gators. Oh, yeah. Love going to Gainesville. Favorite place on earth. The schedule's getting Oz real. Not, now we're starting to get into the, the meat and potatoes, as they say. And uh, I mean, the schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's a little ahead of time, but I'm excited to watch Carson throw there again. 
Absolutely. Anything you want to talk about before we uh, say goodbye until next week? No. I just hope it's not super cold in Wake Forest because I might be wearing my shorts there, but we'll see. You'll be there for all three? I'm hoping so. All right. Well, we are on Apple Pods and on Spotify. We would appreciate five stars. Uh, We would appreciate if you left us a review down in the comments section. And uh, if you have questions or comments that you want answered on this podcast, feel free to email us, um, tweet at us, uh, slide into our DMs, and uh, continue to please share this podcast with your friends. We do we do really appreciate um, going to these games and, and having people come up and, and say, you know, uh, we listen to your podcast and, and, you know, we like seeing the comments. And that's why we do it. Uh, we love Florida State baseball. Brett covers it better than anybody uh, if, if you didn't know, we, we talked about it last week. Brett's now at Knowles 24-7, um, and he's keeping his coverage up. And uh, I hope to call a few more games coming up here in the, in the next couple of weeks. Should have some on the, on the docket. And uh, we'll keep covering this team, keep bringing you the best Florida State baseball coverage we can and, and talking ball. So uh, appreciate you, and we hope to talk to you, uh, fingers crossed, after a series win at Wake Forest. But until then, he's Brett. I'm Aria. We'll talk to you later.